Hello, saucers. Welcome to episode 24. This week, Molly and I discuss imposter syndrome. This has been a big topic our entire careers and a hotter topic, especially for women, the past five to 10 years. In this episode, Molly and I share our experiences with imposter syndrome and how we have learned to work through it. It's real. We also touch on our number one, Sarah Blakely, and give an update around some stuff that's happened with her company, Spanx. Thank you always for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome to the Sauce Podcast, where you will meet your hosts, Molly McKinstry and me, Liz Hajar. We are two colleagues turned friends who have worked together at the same company for nearly 10 years. Molly and I were born three weeks apart on opposite coasts of the U.S., And while we are nearly the same age, today our personal lives are quite different. And while we share the same job title at work, our paths to getting there have been quite different. Join us each week on the Sauce Podcast where we will share tips, tricks, and lessons we've learned together over the last 10 years. We both say it's our shared values of hard work to always do our best with a little bit of zaw that has led us to both our friendship and professional success. We hope you tune in each week Enjoy and have a little bit of fun with us along the way. Hi, Lizzie. Mall, how are you? How are you? So good to see you. Good to see you. I have been, um, it is, we are wrapping up our fiscal year at High Spot. So it has been, you know, in sales world end of fiscal year, I think for all departments can just be crazy. And some, maybe it's not that crazy. Um, but the end of our fiscal year is insane in sales and, uh, deals are coming out of the woodworks, which is good. It's great, but also like not the forecast. So it has been, (laughs) it has been a wild, um, a wild week. So I'm glad it's, it's, I'm glad it's wrapping up. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, congrats on it being, it sounds like a successful end to the fiscal year. Yeah, it's been a really busy one over here as well. January, just in general, has not been casual. Um, It's funny because I think in our last episode, we were talking about just kind of easing into the new year, energy preservation, and, you know, the universe has had different plans uh, over here for me, just bring in in some big stuff. (laughs) I I was in an Uber actually last night, and I go to my Uber driver hey, how has it been out in London? He's like the first two weeks of January dead, like very, very quiet, partially probably because of Omicron, but he's like, but now he's like, it's picking up. So I think when we recorded Mo, you and I were like, we're easing in, we're preserving energy. And then, you know, all everybody wants to say, hey, haven't seen you for a month, want to meet up. Hey, work, end of fiscal year, time to get really cracking, you know? So personalized and professionalized, I think like it's it's cute that we were like, we're preserving, you know, we're... (laughs) <laughs> and now it's like, nah, hold on, peeps. It is literally cute. That is that is the word. I, I, I've seen memes where people say like, you know, hold, hold my beer when somebody's about to do something like pretty bold. It's kind of like, dude, hold my beer. And then they do something crazy. And I've seen people posting like, we thought 2021, you know, that was it. And then January said, hold my beer, like watch this. And I have felt that. I have Mm -hmm. felt the um, just audacious wildness of this long month of January. 
I'm also like, hold my wine. Here we go. Yes, hold my, yeah, wine. my wine bottle. Um, but I, but I, um, Mal, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for the shift and I'm, I'm glad we're getting through it. And it's kind of like, whoa, here we go. I know. I know we are, we're getting through it. Here we go. And you know, I am truly, we were talking in our um, episode about resolutions. Do we go back to our resolutions? You know, kind of how do we hold ourselves accountable to them. And, you know, I had shared like really being mindful and intentional of my energy and how I use it and where it goes. I, I'm thinking about it daily. So, this, so far, the resolution this. is yes. very front and center in, uh, in my world. Okay. Well, we are, we are, we will be a work in progress, but we're a little, uh, we're a little, we're a little all over here at the sauce this week and, uh, embracing, but, um, what has helped me get through it? Cause I like to give a shout out to some new ones. I love the Lumineers, um, you know, also named the Lumies and, uh, some of my good friends that like to shorten things, including me, who am I kidding? Um, but have you heard the new album all? I haven't yet. No, but you actually, I, I've found out from you that it has just come out and we have a long car ride ahead of us this evening up to the mountains. And so my plan is absolutely to, to give it a listen. I can't wait. It's good. Their last album I didn't love. They kind of went a little different route and this one, I feel like a little bit more back. So anyone who loves the Lumis, um, they're a good little, good little band and they're back in action. So that's been helping me get through this week and I just need to give a shout. So I think, thank you. What we should do this week mall is we should, what we kind of talked about, we want to focus on was we need to give a shout out to one of our, you and I shared favorite, um, a uh, woman that inspiring woman for both of us mm-hmm. that we do not know, but we do love and hope to meet her one day. And yeah. then also, as we talk about conserving energy and all that, we wanted to start the conversation around mental health in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And I think we will see where today, where we kind of go, but there's a lot around mental health in the workplace, but we yeah. might just talk about a little bit of boundaries that we kind of start with to help our balance, our mental health. And I can see us eventually spending an episode, especially for many women, um, around imposter syndrome and spending some time there, but we'll see where today goes. Um, but that's what we're thinking for today. Yeah, I am great with that. And again, just kind of feels very timely based on how the start of 2022 has gone thus far. And I think many of us were, you know, maybe uh, idealists and hopeful that it would just be, you know, this like return to, I don't know, normal, whatever that is. And, you know, I think the reality is that we're finding it's not. And a lot of this new normal, we have to, we have to learn to embrace and you have to do that with, you know, practicing some awareness and mental health and, you know, how you're feeling. So yeah, I, I think it's a good, a good way to spend the time together. I love it. I love it. That's a very fair point. So let's join, let's start with, um, a few weeks ago, the big announcement came out that our gal, um, Sarah Blakely, who is the CEO and founder of Spanx women's shapewear that, uh, women and men's, excuse me, shapewear and, um, clothing. She ended up selling her company for 1.2 billion and, um, she's still a heavy stakeholder. So I think she still actually owns majority. I think she did 51%. Okay. And 49% sold. Yep. Mm-hmm. For 1.2 bill. And Molly and I both just love Sarah. And if you're a new saucer, we talked about in our first episode, she'd be a dream guest of ours. Um, I'll kind of kick off what we love about Sarah and then why we want to highlight this, I think, um, why we want to highlight this purchase. But I came across Sarah Blakely a few, probably like five or six years ago. My favorite things about her is she started, she talks heavily how she was selling. She was in sales, selling fax mm-hmm. machines, going door to door. 
And she had this idea that she wanted women's for women, wanted the garments to fall more like from pants to a shirt, wanted the garments to fall more smoothly. Um, yeah. I think a lot of us, yes, we love it for, we love Spanx for the smooth, but also for the, a little bit of a, uh, holding it, holding some in after, uh, COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I love Sarah because she kind of really stepped out as a female entrepreneur, as a female CEO, and has really been a voice of an authentic voice, in my opinion, very much that. She said, listen, I started this with $5,000 and I built this from the ground up. I patented it myself. I didn't pass law school, but I figured out a way to do it. She's very authentic, very real, mm. and, and and very supportive of women. She, yeah. for example, she sat in a cubicle. She said it was so dreary and gray and blue. I just didn't like it. Her mm. Spanx office in Atlanta is all animal print carpet. I think her, her at least her entryway walls are pink. You yeah. know, she added a lot of color to her, to her building. So I love Sarah for that. And we can talk about, and Molly, we can touch on Sarah, but she, um, she has four kids. So she's yes. a, a, mom, a working mom of four kids, CEO yeah. of a billion dollar company now. And she got married. I think she met her partner at 36, 35 or 36 and got married at 37. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's, you know, she said, I want to build my, she always talks about on her Instagram. People would say, Oh honey, you'll find him. And she's like, I'm oh. building my billion dollar idea. And like when he comes along, great. Yeah. So, um, it was, I, I've always enjoyed Sarah and her inspiration to females, to be honest. Gosh, I totally agree. She's, she's so incredibly cool. And you know, everything about her business and her commitment to her dreams is, is inspirational. And just, you kind of, I don't know, you hear these stories about he, how people have these dreams and they kind of stop at nothing to realize them and, and have them reach the maximum success that they hope. But it's just so incredible how she's done it. And of course, as a mama for myself, I'm, I'm really drawn to and, and love that she is also a mama for and didn't sacrifice her career, her dreams, her goals, or what she, you know, saw for herself, um, in her personal life and and her family goals as well. So she's just, I mean, like as inspirational as they get, I I really do think that she is. Yeah. Just love her. She showed on Instagram recently. She went out to go do a huge speech and she brought a shirt with her that she had had pre COVID. And so they went to go zip up the back of it and it didn't fit because the weight that she's gained. And she's like, no, to everybody, try your clothes on before you show up and give a speech in front. I think it was like 20,000 people. And I just had her cover her shirt. Like that's that's Sarah. So I think what's cool about this and what was super exciting was it was awesome. It's awesome to see a, a woman CEO, right? Yeah. Sold for one, a billionaire, a woman billionaire, self-made billionaire is huge. Mm. And the big thing was Sarah always talks about her gut feel and she's very big on her gut instinct. And when she, she, people had asked her, when is she going to sell Spanx? Cause it's very bootleg company, how mm. she does her advertising, etc. And she said, yeah. I'll just kind of know. And a company it's Blackstone group. Am I getting that right? Blackstone group yep, was Blackstone. the one who bought it. Yep. yep. And it was an all woman. It's a venture, a venture capitalist. If I'm correct. It was an yep. all woman team that invested into Spanx. And they've also invested in Bumble, Women CEO, and also the Happiness Project, Reese Witherspoon's production company. So it's mm. awesome that these women are investing in a women-owned women-owned company, women-started yeah. company, women-ran company, and yeah. to see more of that. Because if we talk about how much money, VC money, went into um, women-owned companies last year, I think it was 2.3% of VC money mm-hmm. in 2021 went to women-ran, women-owned companies. And Sarah kind of mentioned some of the articles I read and don't completely quote me here, but one of the big things she wants to do is I think she would like to eventually probably inspire women and whether she becomes her own investor or does something like that 
she really wants to help inspire women, get companies off the ground, build companies and get investments in companies. So it was awesome to see women investors investing in women. So yeah, so cool. that's special. Yeah. And I know um, Reese Witherspoon, I think is like in the same arena. And I don't, I, I feel like maybe it was even you that told me Liz, that Blackstone was supporting Reese's efforts too. Cause she's, she's got Hello Sunshine, which is her production company that is, I, I think, solely focused on films directed, produced by women, starring women, protagonist characters as, as women. And it's just, you know, so cool to see women like Sarah Blakely and Reese Witherspoon who have had the success, um, you know, really kind of paying it forward and investing their efforts and their resources to support more women to have opportunities like they do. Just I love, love that. that. So good. I love that. And as we, we are going to have a DEI episode that runs um, kind of after, after this episode, and it'll be great to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's great to see, you know, women investing in women and obviously diversity uh, is spans larger than that, but it's great to see this being, you know, a start of more getting more, um, women kind of diversity, getting more women investing in women. So mm-hmm. shout out to Sarah, a huge congrats. Um, and just for a little cherry on top, if you guys aren't convinced to follow her on Instagram or to make a campaign to have her come on the sauce, she gave every single one of her employees $10,000 bonus and two round trip t- first class tickets globally, anywhere in the world, anywhere they wanted to go um, when this acquisition happened. So uh, she's rad. We don't know her, but we'll no, I Can I just say, I hope at some point in my life, something, I, something happens, you know, that I could do that as well, or something of that to for like the people I love. I just, gosh, how cool is that? And I think it is such, again, an indication of who she is that she acknowledges. She didn't get there on her own. She didn't have and find the success on her own. It is a, you know, a tribute to all of those who have supported her, who have worked alongside her and for her and, Oh my goodness. It's just incredible. More, Completely. more of that, more of that. Right. Please. Like, come like taking that money and just doing more good. So Sarah, we're watching you and we love it. So we're specifically going to focus on mental health, like we said, but on the topic of imposter syndrome. And, you know, I think this is a actually a really large component of mental health for many women, again, in, in the work force and in the workplace specifically, I know we pulled up a definition of what imposter syndrome actually is for those of you who maybe don't know what, what is it and how does it look when it, when we maybe are facing it? Yeah, I think there's a lot of talk about imposter syndrome. So we thought, let's see what Harvard Business Review, uh, what they say imposter syndrome is. So reading it word for word, um, and they in an article titled, Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. Mm. Imposter syndrome is loosely defined as doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. It disproportionately affects high achieving people who find it difficult to accept their accomplishments. Many question whether they're deserving of the accolades. Yeah. Oof. There's a lot. There's a lot there. Yeah, there is. And I think that Maul and I can share today where we've experienced this. I have two very specific areas I'm happy to call out. What is interesting about this article, as I mentioned in the title, Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. I think a lot of women come to me as a woman, as a female leader, and like, do you experience imposter syndrome? I feel like an imposter. I feel like I, I don't deserve this job or I can't do it or a fraud, exactly as they say. In exactly as stated in this article. What's interesting in this article is they do talk about, um, I don't remember who wrote it, but they talk about how at every conference that's targeted towards women in leadership, there's always a session that says how to overcome imposter syndrome. And in this article, they're like, 
why are we doing this? Why are we calling this out? We're kind of bringing this on ourselves. Yeah. Like, let's just not make imposter syndrome a thing. Yeah. It's almost like Which conditioning. I found- it's conditioning yes. the people who tend to have these feelings. It's almost like a validation that, yeah, you should have these feelings. Where yes. you know, I think the the article is really saying, no, we, we keep giving a name and creating space for something that let's just kind of get rid of it. Right. It's like, are we manifesting yeah. imposter syndrome? Yeah. Uh, that's a little extreme, but you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. So Maul and I today are going to lean into imposter syndrome uh, versus say, stop talking about it. We're going to talk about it. Um, so we thought that maybe uh, we could kick off sharing some of our time and our stories um, about where we have felt, well, we've felt imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Is there one that jumps out at you for you, Lizzie, that is just kind of tip of the tongue? Yeah, I think there's there's two. I'll try to tell the stories quickly, but I think it's two very different two different examples. Okay. I think the first one is um for me with imposter syndrome, it was the first time I became a director. I think I've mentioned on here a couple times for me going from an individual contributor, not having any team below me, um and then becoming a first line manager and having a team below me. I loved it. It was very very natural for me and I was like I feel like I was a damn good at it, right? I feel like it was good, right? And when I went to director, that is when I also moved to Chicago, I was in charge of that office. My team grew, I think, from like 35 to 70 reps. I hired four from four managers or five managers to nine and was in charge of growing the office from 10 to 150. During that time, I think I struggled with imposter syndrome quite a bit for two reasons. I think I was like, I'm overwhelmed. This is a lot. I don't even know how to be a director and I'm head of an office right now too. And there were things I was making calls about snow days and if we should call 150 people out, like I had to make an email that went out and said, we're not doing snow. Um, we're, we're not coming into the office. It's snow day. And I was like, okay, here we go. I was also in charge of making sure that everybody knew what was going on, recruiting a team and being a good director. And it was extremely overwhelming. And I think when I look back, I had a complete imposter syndrome feeling like, did I just get this job because I was at Glassdoor for five years at the right place at the right time? and you know, they're just like, who else is going to take this Liz will? So I just, so I got it. And I started to really fester on that thought. And it really, really killed me that year in Chicago. I felt like I, you know, am I a fraud? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm kind of faking it till I make it, but I just felt so overwhelmed. I let my thoughts of I'm a fraud. I don't know what I'm doing. This is too much really take over. And I just felt my confidence was, was not there. And at certain points in that time rocked it and wasn't that bad, but that is where I can look back on my 10 year career in, 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 in sales and where I think imposter syndrome stuck out the most. It was, you know, stepping into a new role, being promoted internally and feeling like this was a lot. And do I, and I really shook my confidence is what really made me feel that fraud imposter syndrome. Yeah. Well, one, I I remember this time very well and having kind of lived with you and alongside of you. So I know it was a really hard chapter and I do want to kind of differentiate one thing you said, because I believe we're talking about imposter syndrome is, you know, our a belief that we don't have the skills to do whatever we're being asked to do, whatever challenge we're facing. It's a belief that, and it's self-doubt. I don't have the capability to do that. I also think though, Liz, there is 
there is a time in our lives when we simply haven't been given enough resources or support or tools to be successful. And just, you know, reflecting again as your friend and colleague, I yeah. think there was a component of you having these feelings that was tied to there wasn't enough support. There weren't yeah. enough resources. And I just want to highlight that for listeners because in moments in our lives when we feel overwhelmed, buried, I can't do this. I think it's really important to try to step back and think, what of this is within my control? And I actually have an ability to change and impact and improve. And one of it, what of it, it may not be. And I need yeah. to go ask for whoever is in control of this for different support, different resourcing, you know, frankly, more help. And I, I understand the irony of me saying, asking for help, yeah. that is not my strength, but just reflecting, I really want us to be intentional of identifying imposter syndrome is part of it is in our control. And there are other factors at times that are not, we've got to know the difference between the two. I love that Molly as a call out, because as I said, in my mind, I was like, I'm a fraud. I can't do all of this. I don't have the skill to do this. But probably what I should have done um, is raise my hand and said, this is too much. Like I, one human can't do it. And me with my skill set definitely can't do it. Um, and I think part of the imposter syndrome fed into it. And I felt like, no, I have to do it because everyone's doubting me and everyone thinks I can't do it, but I can. And so it just kind of was its own cyclical cycle that just wasn't a healthy place to be. Um, and Maul, I love that it's, and I think what I'll kind of give a tip and I want you to be able to share to Maul yours. And I, I have one other last one that I think is great. But I think the big thing that I look back is you need to stop thinking. If you're sitting there going, I'm a fraud, I'm a fraud, I'm a fraud. I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. You may not have the skill set to do it. That might be very real. But you've got to stop and go, okay, can I do it? Or can I lean on someone to do it? Or am I going to do my best I can? And I'm going to let people know I'm doing the best that I can. And here's what I've got. Let me know if there's anything else that you need from me. But I think you've got to stop and say, why am I thinking that I'm a fraud? Did someone tell me this? Am I telling myself this? Do I feel over my skis? Do I feel like this is too much? And if that's the case, pause. And to your point, Molly, figure out what you need to then be able to do your job well. And is that ask for help? Is that just being vulnerable up front and saying, hey, this is new to me. I'm going to try to get it right. And if you're addressing a room of, I was addressing rooms of 150 people, okay? And I was just like, here's what I know. If anything changes, like you just kind of have to set it up going, everyone, I want us all on the same page. Here is what I know. And if things shift, it might shift. I'll keep you posted. But I got a lot more comfortable of not being 100% accurate and, and, and giving that caveat of like, listen, my goal is to let you know sooner. So if I am wrong, I'm calling it now, but I feel this is pretty accurate. So again, it's stopping and really figuring out, stopping those thoughts. Where are they coming from or why are you having them? And what do you need to understand why you feel like you're a fraud or don't have the skills and figure out what your solution is? Yeah, I 
completely agree with that. And I, I love the pause and really reflect. It, it's akin yeah. to what we were talking about in episode 21 of addressing conflict. So often we need to just harness like the power of our breath and calming ourselves down and taking a moment to really, really just check in. Where are these feelings coming from? Is this to your point? Is it, Are other people genuinely saying and projecting this? Or am I creating this in my head? Yeah. The the other thing though, let, let's say you do that. Let's say you have that pause, you ask yourself that question and you figure out, you know, others aren't giving me this feedback. However, I am really uncomfortable in this specific thing. Name it. it maybe it's standing up in front of 150 people in public speaking. Maybe it's calling whether or not an office should be open based on weather in a city I've never lived in. I I think it is so important to actually list out what are the specific things that are causing me discomfort that I don't feel in in as much control over that I want because then you get to build an action plan. So let's say it's the public speaking. Let's say, oh my goodness, I'm standing up in front of 150 people. I don't know if I have all the correct answers. I'm feeling incredibly overwhelmed by the idea of this. Let's build a solution. One, if the if the concern or again, like the doubt is the actual speaking to the group, start listening to a podcast, start reading books, listening to books around executive presence, executive influence, and addressing a group. Sign up for a Toastmasters class. Like you can actually do something incredibly specific to help solve that problem. But maybe it's not the speaking itself. Maybe it's the information I have. I don't know if it's correct. So go back to where do I, where can I find out if this information is accurate or not? And likely if you're depending on someone else, you say to them, hey, I am completely comfortable addressing the group and owning these conversations and decisions. I need more clarity into what you are. It's it's like stating what you need and giving yourself the chance to be educated on what it is that is causing you to doubt yourself. Love that. And like some of the ones when I first became a director, and I know everybody listening is on different, um, you know, in different industries, but one of it was like, hey, Liz, and I'll try it for salespeople might get this, but like we have a territory of of 2,000 accounts and you need to divide this up. How do you want to tier it by location, by industry to make sure each of your 70 reps have lucrative territories? And I remember being like, I'm sorry, what? Like I kind of like have an idea. But I wish I had the confidence to say, hey, I need, to your point, I need more data. I would like somebody else to weigh in on this. I want a little bit more help. So um, I really, really encourage that. Um, Malkan, as you said, get the skills and figure out how you can get the skills. And I'm still leaning into like ask for help or I – an example is since I started at High Spot, there's a couple things about their sales cycle that's very different for me. And I've asked people at Highspot, sure, but I also reached out to my Glassdoor network who people are no longer at Glassdoor or at Gla- and no longer at Glassdoor in a similar sale like Highspot. And they've gotten on phone calls with me. They've walked me through things. They've helped me understand things. And it's been absolutely incredible. And it has helped me really alleviate imposter syndrome as I've gone to Highspot. Um, and after being somewhere for 10 years, I was really scared of it. And I think that I have more confidence to pause, learn more, seek help. And figure out like what is causing that to your point, Molly. 
Yeah. And I just, I give you, you know, so many kudos that you have done that as you've made this transition, because I think that's you showing the learning from the Chicago experience. You're right. You're like tapping into that memory bank of, I remember how I felt. I was overwhelmed. I felt, I began to doubt myself. What can I do to prevent that from happening here and leveraging your network, asking for help, asking for people to just share their perspective is such a great idea. And I would say even just taking that a step further. So let's imagine all of us are going to make a decision that's going to impact our future, right? Every single one of us, whether it is, you know, a new job to take, a new, you know, committee to partner, like what, yeah, partner, anything you are, we're going to make a choice in our future. And I so strongly recommend if you are someone who has ever experienced imposter syndrome or self-doubt to any degree, which I think 99.9% of humans have, take what you've learned from those experiences and address it up front. So let's just give an example of possibly changing careers. Liz, you just referenced that you did. Yeah. You're going to make a career change and you realize this could be a new industry for me. This is a new product for me. This is a brand new team for me. Before you even start, have a conversation with who your leader is going to be or who you're working for and say, hey, how would I get access to resources around product education? How can I get access to resources on culture and what the community of this company is like? Get as much information you can as early as you can so that when you show up, you have even just a little, little bit of head start on that self-doubt that creeps in whenever we do something new. I love that, Mo. Love that. Exactly. And use like, we're kind of going like, but one thing and when Molly says that it's researched many different things, but I just want to like drive home right now. Use your network. Truth, LinkedIn is a very, very powerful tool. I have loved staying in contact with people on it. Um, and it's powerful. So like okay. use your network to, I think using your network is a great step towards um, imposter syndrome. So thank you for letting me share that one. Mal, I want to make sure that we get time. If you want to share an imposter syndrome situation or your take on it, um, please share. Yeah, I think I I probably raised this in one of our earliest episodes, just talking about, you know, our strengths and um, areas for growth in leadership and probably not dissimilar to you, Liz, when I first became a leader of leaders, my first time stepping into a director role, I was also leading a group of people who were all more tenured, experienced and older than I was. Yeah. And, you know, anyone who knows me well knows that um, confidence isn't something I have struggled with throughout my life. I'm very lucky to just have been raised in an environment where I've I've always had a lot of just natural confidence and belief in myself. Really? I just want to like, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Mole. So sorry. But I just want to echo like you always have. And like we've talked about this. You're like, I'm very thankful, Liz, but confidence is not, you know, in a lot of areas, especially your career, like is not an area that you that you lack that much. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, of course, always hope and have tried to balance it with humility and and being humble and empathetic. And by no means am I the best, but I have, I, I do have my natural disposition as one of a high belief in my own abilities. So this was a really interesting space for me because I, I knew I was ready to be a director and lead leaders. I knew that I knew the answers to so many of the problems that we were going to solve. And if I didn't, I knew how I would get them. But what surprised me 
was this back of the voice, mm. discomfort in, yeah, but Molly, these people have five, 10, 15 more years of experience than you do. So even, you know, with all the skills you bring to the table, they just fundamentally have more experience. And are they going to doubt you? Are they going to, you know, have an issue following your lead and taking your guidance because you are younger than they are? And that was, I, I really would say is one of the first most true versions of imposter syndrome I ever felt in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And what, cause I think that that is a very real thing. There was a, um, a skill component because they can say, Molly, I've got 15 years of selling. You've got five. Like, how could you tell me what to do? And there is an age component as well. You know what I mean? Um, that's, you know, there is a piece of that too. So maybe talk through as that voice came through, was it that you felt fraudulent? What did you, what did you feel? It wasn't that I felt fraudulent because I did, I did still have the conviction of my own abilities and really believed I can bring a lot to the table, but I, the, the doubt came from, will these people want to follow me? Will they want to be a member of my team? Will they be proud to be a member of my team? Because my previous teams, I've been so fortunate to have the most incredible employees. We just have, a, we created these amazing cultures, these communities of just, you know, really depending on one another, helping each other better to be better, holding one another accountable. And I struggled to feel like, will this group of individuals be bought into that as well? And it was important yeah. to me that we they would be and that we could create that that experience. So I remember what I did was not dissimilar to I think what you should do anytime you take on a new team. Um, you stay very curious. You really seek to understand how are these people motivated. What is most important to them? When they get out of bed every morning, what's their why? You, I, I invested in each of them personally first. Yeah, I felt like I need to show them that I care about them. I'm invested in them. Their success is what is the most important thing for me is their success. So you know, I spent that time and energy and invested in them, and I'm I'm really happy to say I think you know that ended up being a phenomenal team with the same culture we have, we've experienced on other teams, but it took me that moment of, okay, I have this doubt. I'm acknowledging this doubt. And what am I going to do to overcome it? Yeah. And I think that that, like, that is a very real, a real thing. And you kind of put a plan in place. You stopped and said, okay, you know, I don't have certain skills or I don't, you know, experience, but I can show them this. And it sounds like you looked at that and worked through how you're going to show them that you're their ally and you care and you want them to succeed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Perfect. I think, Maul, this was a good, I love that we were able to give a couple of examples. I yeah. have a third example that maybe we'll get to another episode. We actually have a career coach that focuses on some of this, especially for women in the workforce um, that we're hoping to get on the podcast that can speak to this as well and, and, and more tips. But I hope Molly and I were able to share experience plus tips for all of you listening and know that 
you're not alone. It's a, it, even though Harvard says, let's not talk about it. It's a real, it's a real thing. Yes. And I love Liz, your recommendation of leverage your network, you know, use the resources you have in your life, DM us, use the saucer community. We would love Mm -hmm. to give our perspective here, your experiences. And as any opportunity we can provide advice or feedback, we would, we would love to. So just thanks. And mom, that's like why we wanted to start this. You know what I mean? So bringing it back. Yeah. I'm interrupting today. I apologize, but, um, (laughs) thank you mom saucers. We, um, we, uh, appreciate you and hope this was, uh, good and helpful and we always appreciate and we'll be back with more. So, uh, always remember to be bold and always eat dessert and believe in yourself. Thank you. Saucers. We'll talk to you soon. Bye mom. Bye Lizzie. Thank you for tuning in to the Sauce Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our personal anecdotes and biz tips and tricks we shared today. If you wouldn't mind subscribing and or following the podcast on any platform or leaving a one-line review of the podcast, it helps us out tremendously. Thank you, thank you. Molly and I would also like to state that everything stated on this podcast is our own opinions and it's not shared on the behalf of others or on our employers. Thank you.